1: This is the Pick Six podcast, and this is Sunday Night Super Friends. That's Will Brenton, that handsome devil in an undisclosed location at a hotel in Jacksonville ahead of the Jacksonville Bengals game. For some reason, it's John Breach. I'm Ryan Wilson. This is Sunday Night Super Friends, Week Thirteenth NFL Recap Edition, 2023. Remember, give us a thumbs up if you're watching us on the old YouTube at NFL on CBS, and of course, subscribe to wherever you get your podcast so you never miss a show. Okay, you know the deal here. Going to hit on our top 10 takeaways from week 13, and there is a ton to get to. Officiating rocks, boys. Uh, The playoff picture continues to take shape, and that conversation has to start in Philadelphia. Can I ask a question first? Where the 49ers came to town as favorites. The Eagles (laughs) tried to use that as motivation, Brinson. That didn't work. Tried some in-game motivation, courtesy Eagles head of security, Big Dom DeSandro. And when that didn't work... They just had to sit there and take that whooping to the tune of 42 to 19. All right, Willie. I have a, I have a question before Hold we on. get started. Nope. You got to let me finish, and then you can ask your question. That's a new punishment for being late. The 49ers are still tied <laughs> to the Lions for the second-best record in the NFC. But two questions. Are they the best team in the conference? And are they the best team in the
0: whole entire NFL? I think more importantly, the question is: What temperature do you have your hotel room in the Marriott you're staying at set to breach? Because everyone knows the giant air vent up there in the Marriott. If you, like, I can hear the MF are blowing, on, <laughs> blowing hard. So I'm at 65 for you. Uh, I would say Wilson to answer your question that the 49ers are the best team in football. Like, and it's not even close. I, I, I think this is a, a really, really dominant team. Um, I'm thrown for a loop by what Breach is doing right now. But I, I, I think this was a statement game by San Francisco. Fully healthy. We've seen two very distinct San Francisco 49ers teams, right? We've seen a San Francisco 49ers team that is missing Debo Samuel, that is missing Trent Williams, and struggles on offense. And then you see this uh, team with Brock Purdy, who is dude brock purdy's look at this most games with a 140 or higher passer rating in a single season since 1950 brock purdy has tied aaron Rodgers in 2011 he is tom brady in 2010 tom brady in 2007 and roger Staubach in 1973 now i know that rogers and um brady in those uh 11 and 7 won MVPs. i'm Not sure. Brady won MVP. Brady also won in 2010. Okay, also won an MVP in 2010. I mean, I'm going to blindly guess that Roger Staubach won MVP in '73. I I don't. I don't know the answer. Could be wrong. Could have been a a running back or defensive player. Then who the hell knows? Uh, Was OJ? Was a running back. Thank you, breach. Great work. But the point being is, like, I think what I think there's a fascinating discussion about how Kyle Shanahan went out in the draft, traded a ton of draft capital to go up and get Trey Lance. It didn't work out. And remember all those articles about how Mike Shanahan told Kyle, like, dude, you got to go get the guy that can take your, take this offense to the next level. But what if the answer is that like it's, or what if the answer is that it's someone who understands the offense and understands what to do well in the offense that is the best way to take it to the next level and that putting the skill position guys around him, like Debo, Debo had an incredible game here. Um, Trent Williams is awesome too. And he's not a skill position guy, but he was awesome. Christian McCaffrey had a very good game. They, They can lean on, George Kittle had a nice game. They can lean on different guys. It felt like this was a, if we've got a quarterback, we feel like we're the best team in the NFC and you're lucky we didn't have a quarterback last year in Philly type of game for the 49ers. And to that point, Brinson, let's not forget the 49ers literally talked trash for
2: nine straight months about, hey, if our quarterback would have been healthy, we would have throttled you in the NFC title game. And the Eagles were like, eh, whatever, you lost, and no, you wouldn't have. And then they come out here and back up all their trash talk. So that's another element here. And so to answer Wilson's question, I absolutely do think the 49ers are the best team in the NFL if they are completely healthy, because what we saw earlier this season – When Brock Purdy got banged up with concussion, when Trent Williams missed a couple games, when Debo Samuel missed a couple games, every one of these guys play a big piece in this puzzle where some teams you could take out a receiver and it doesn't completely change the dynamic of the offense, but we saw the Four Hours lose three games in a row when they were without Debo and when they were without Trent Williams, so... They need all these pieces together, so staying healthy, which the 49ers have not been able to do, feels to me like their biggest challenge right now. But if they stay healthy, I, I, just, I feel like they're a lot better than anyone. And this is coming from someone who is a fan of a team who beat the 49ers by two touchdowns when they did not have Debo and they did not have Trent Williams. By the and way, the shout, team, out, shout out to our
0: friend is- Katie Mox in the chat here celebrating the 49ers' victory. Hi, Katie. Keep going, listen. Okay.
1: Yeah. I was just going to say, talking about that game in Cincinnati that Breach talked about. Um, the thing is, Brock Purdy didn't actually play bad in that game. He got concussed again at the end, I think. And there was that great interception by Jermaine Pratt, which would have been a walk-in touchdown for Elijah Mitchell at the end. Logan Wilson had that really good interception as well. Brock shouldn't have thrown that ball, but I think one of the talking points during a three-game losing streak started with the Browns and the bad weather. Uh, then it was a Minnesota game where the defense sort of fell apart for San Francisco. Brock played pretty well in that game. And then it was that Bengals game where we thought the Bengals were back until Joe Burrow got hurt. But Brock has actually not played bad. And there's been sort of a recurring theme that he's not that guy, especially during the three-game losing streak. He is every bit that guy. They got off to a slow start. They were down 6 nothing. Felt like they were down 25 to nothing, And then they came storming back, and that was a wrap on that. And, again, I think the, the talking points that we all have made clear here is if they're healthy, they're not unbeatable. We've seen them lose football games, but not at full health. Also worth noting, uh, Teleno Hufanga has torn his ACL. He's out, and that defense absolutely lit up the Eagles' run game. So we said last week after the Eagles won that game the way they wanted that they have yet to hit on all cylinders, and I think that's exactly where we are. I don't think they're any different than the team that we knew. They just couldn't summon the football gods to will them to that win, even though, again, Big Dom Breach, you, you seem to be a – connoisseur of sort of rando things happening on the sideline. What is your take on Big Dom? The head of security uh, who had to get kicked out of the game. What is Big Drake?
3: Dom doing?
2: Like, you can't just be out there. Honestly, and not to bring Bengals Steelers in this, but it reminded me of oh, Joey God. Porter of that whole situation. When you have a random person who shouldn't be on the field or shouldn't be near the field uh, trying to instigate players, uh, I mean, Drake Greenlock can't do what he did, but <laughs> I don't kick him out because Dom shouldn't have been there. So the person who, it was just an insane situation, and the Forty got the last laugh. So I don't think they care anymore. But I mean, that was so bizarre.
0: Well, did you did you see uh, the pool report from um, uh, uh from Zach Bourbon at Z on Twitter? And I'm I'm paraphrasing here a little bit because I just don't have it in front of me. But I, I, Jeff McClain retweeted it. Um the the officials they were asked about it. Uh, Zach asked about it, and they said. Well, here's the problem. Actually, here it is. Walt Anderson. They they talked to Walt Anderson. They even talked to an official. They talked to the VP of officiating. He said, the official had a flag on the field for a personal foul by San Francisco number 57. That's Dre, Dre Greenlaw. And then there was continuing action. And so what Rule 19 allows us to do is provide assistance by looking at the video. And we saw a video that showed there was a staff person that made contact with the player and that the player was involved, made contact with the staff vendor, which which warranted the disqualification. The non-player, he was contributing to that escalation. That's Big Dom, the security guy, right? Rule 19 does not afford us the ability to help the officials in throwing a flag that they do not throw for a non-player. In other words, Nick Sirianni could have sprinted out on the field and, like, tackled Christian McCaffrey. And if the officials didn't throw a flag for it, you it's it's non-reviewable, which is kind of crazy. So, like, if there's no flags at all and Dre Greenlaw jabs Dom Big Dom in the eye and Big Dom jabs Dre Greenlaw in the eye and they go to review it, they can only issue a flag for one guy. And they can eject. Now, they can eject both guys, but they can't do the penalty, which maybe that's something the NFL could tweak this offseason where say, like, all right, look, like, that's, that's unfair. I mean, if anything, Big Dom should be out there pissing everybody off. Because you get Prince players, players tossed and he gets tossed. A, it's a huge win for the Eagles. Didn't matter, but still. If you get in a fight with Big Dom, who wins? If I get in a fight with Big Dom? Yeah. America, because he's going to beat my ass into the ground. Like if Over, you, under 25 seconds. <laughs> oh, <cool. laughs> What are you talking how, how
1: about? How big is the arena?
0: Yeah, like, yeah, this is like the. Like it's an the, octagon. This is like the Tigers versus, uh, or what was it, like Tigers versus Sharks. Like, how how long can I run before I like get like exhausted, pass out on the ground, and Big Dumps like beats me into the ground? I mean, that's the answer, I guess.
1: By the way, according to uh, True Media, the expected points added per play for the 49ers uh, led the the week of all the NFL teams. It was lit- a half a point every time they ran a play; it added a half a point to their total. Uh, by comparison, the Eagles uh, ranked ninth over the week so far at just uh, over just a point zero eight. So just less than a tenth of a point. Just to give you some indication of how efficient the 49ers offense was, it's, even though their first it's quarter crazy, dude. started so incredibly slowly. Crazy indeed. They ran, 50, they
0: ran 57 offensive plays and scored 42 points. That's
1: nuts. Well, that think wild.
2: Po- do you think the 49ers get the number one seed? Yes.
1: So that's the question, right? And. I know the Eagles' schedule is incredibly difficult, and it just feels like Kyle Shanahan was not at all, didn't seem frustrated with how the, the game started, even though the Eagles were, were, you know, to borrow the phrase, flying high. Outside of injury, because we this is how we felt about this team before the injuries. So I don't know what magically is going to change. I think Josh Dobbs, I think that story's been put to bed, so they're not going to win the number one seed in Minnesota. Uh, Who is <laughs> the other competitors? I, I mean, <laughs> the Lions? I think that's a good uh, call. The Lions sort of slept through the, the middle half of that Derek Carr game before Derek Carr got hurt, and then Yolo Jameis came in and started doing crazy things, and and the fourth seed in the in the friggin' NFC breach is your Atlanta Falcons. So you tell me, it's it's a three
0: team it's a three team race. That's that's just what it is. Is it three teams? Yeah, I mean ten to two Philly, ninety three San Fran, ninety three Detroit. I mean, are, are the Cowboys in that? They're only a game back. They're 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 right there. Are the Cowboys going to steal the NFC East? That
2: they could,
0: yeah. Why don't I tell you yeah. what? Why don't we move on to a love shove? wow, wow! Since Breach is in a hotel in Jacksonville, that's I mean, that's pretty fitting. And we can circle back and talk about the NFC playoff race in a minute.
1: All right, um, Breach. I don't know what if you have a television in that stat that hut uh, staff room <laughs> that you're in, or what's going on there. If that's soft or shove, so I don't know if you got to see what Jordan Love perpetrated against. Uh, It was sort of like the Spider-Man meme, except this time, Jordan Love was the better version of the Patrick Mahomes Spider-Man. And Brenton mentioned this in our little chat throughout the day. And, you know, Jordan Love's in year four. And I think this is a story for all people, and I won't name names of guys we work with, who insist that quarterbacks who have played two weeks are terrible and never going to get better, that if you allow a, a player to grow into a role, they can actually turn into a pretty good player. Is this person short and tan? And he's lost a ton of weight. He's incredibly handsome right now. He's on a But I think, Breach, tell me your thoughts about the Jordan Love journey, number one. This team is now inside the playoff bubble in the NFC. And then we can back in that about uh, our concerns about the other team across the side of the field that continue to struggle with people catching the football.
2: Well, my crazy theory is that Jordan Love's birthday wish was to turn into an awesome NFL quarterback because his birthday was on November 2nd. And he has been a top eight quarterback in the NFL since then. Look at this. We have his numbers right there. Really, if you just go back to November 1st, he has been on a tear. And that's exactly what you want to see if you're the Packers. You know, we watched that first game. They blew out the Bears. I think the score was 38-20. to 20, And everyone in Green Bay was feeling really good about themselves. And then you just had these bizarre games. They went 1-5. Uh, and five in their next six games, and a lot of that was because Jordan Love was so erratic. He was having accuracy issues. They couldn't score points in the first half, and it was frustrating to watch. And it was, is this how Jordan Love is going to look down the road, or is this Jordan Love growing pains, or is Jordan Love going to get everyone fired because this is going to end up being the worst draft pick of all time? I I feel like that's where Packers fans were in their mindset heading into November. And now you look at these last five games, they're 4-1. and one. They've beaten the Rams. They've beaten the Chiefs. They've beaten the Lions. They have very good wins. And Jordan Love has been getting better every week. And this game was his Mona Lisa. I mean, he outdueled <laughs> Patrick Mahomes at home in prime time. you will beat Patrick Mahomes in prime time. And Jordan Love did. It. He looks so good. And if I'm a Packers fan, I am absolutely thrilled about the future of my team in Jordan Love's hands.
0: It's, it's really, really fascinating how, and I think, I think, well, I mean, I'm just saying you don't know this breach and I, I don't know why I know this, but I, I guess I watched a lot of Jordan Love at Utah State for some reason. Um, I was a big fan of his, you know, obviously his senior year, very different from his junior year, but Wilson, I, I think that you would attest to this as our draft analyst at cbssports.com that when you watch Jordan Love play, it sort of mimics what you saw in college. In terms of there's inconsistency on a play to play basis, there's inconsistency on a game to game basis. There's hot stretches, there's cold stretches, and like, but the, the hot stretches, and t- I mean, he's on one right now. He started. Nah, he started, he started the that. season awesome, and then had a really bad stretch. People were out on him. Brian Gutekunst is being asked questions like, "Are you like? Do you know if you'll have an evaluation of Jordan Love by the end of the season?" He's like, "I don't know." And then like the last few weeks, you said, "I mean." Some of the th- he has an absolute arm cannon, and when he is running hot, he's running hot, right?
1: Yeah, so Ohio State, his last year there, he was the only show in town. In fact, I talked to Darwin Thompson, who was a member Utah,
0: of Utah State, but yeah, yeah, what did I say? Ohio State,
1: yeah, that's something. Yeah, the only team that gave him a uh, scholarship was Utah State. So Darwin Thompson played with him at Utah State, played for the Chiefs for a little bit, and I talked to Darwin Thompson that same year when the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl. And he said that um, he saw a lot of similarities between Patrick and 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 um, Jordan. And I remember talking to Jordan at the senior bowl, and he said, look, I just try to do too much. Because his last season at Utah State... Lost everybody. Looked a lot like Will Levis and uh, and all the squinting you had to do to try to make him be a superstar. Same with Drake May on some level. Drake May is a little more polished. But that guy was trying to drag the, the, the team up and down the field. Now he has people around him. Now he has... Uh, a better offensive line. Now the defense is starting to play really well. And he's been there for three and a half years. And I think people are so in a hurry to have everything uh, be exactly what they wanted to be the moment that you draft someone. It doesn't work that way. And Jordan's actually talked about that. And I I think here's the thing. He's getting a new contract this summer and it's going to be probably $40 million ish. And that's exactly, that's Daniel Jones money. And the, the Brian Dable would drive to green Bay right now. <laughs> uh Hog tie, mountain Brian
0: Dable, Jordan Love would be fun, actually.
1: So yeah, no, I think you're exactly right, and I, I think the the Packers have found their quarterback, uh, as producer Harry said in the headline. Is it for another 15 years? That I don't know, but um, let's see. Brinson ranked the quarterbacks in the, in the NFC North right now.
0: Ooh, right, the the ones who are healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: Kirk. Who knows where Kirk's gonna end up? I mean.
0: I said one of my hot take, one of my bold predictions for the season was Jordan Love would have a better year than I – mean, you said Jordan Love would have a better year than Aaron Rodgers, which, I mean – Put it on the board. Yes. It was a freebie after week one, uh, even if he just, just stayed healthy. Although, I don't know what points. It was like maybe he's having a worse year. Um, I said Jordan Love would have a better year than Justin Fields or Jordan Love would have a better career than Justin Fields, I think. Something like that. I mean, I think you would take Jordan Love over Justin Fields right now. Pretty yes. easily, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, he's playing more consistently, he's playing more on time. He's in an offense that doesn't try to get him murdered. There are a lot of a lot of reasons for optimism if you're Jordan Love. The,
0: there are a couple of throws. And look, credit, Christian Watson made a great catch on that second touchdown pass that was high. And he went up over the he went up over the defender and caught it. Um Romeo Dobbs did an unbelievable job of holding all of the ball. But I, I have no idea how physically you can throw the ball the way he did under pressure with Chris Jones bearing down on him, put the ball straight up in the air, and drop it. What did uh Chris Collins were saying, He must be a great cornhole player. That thing was an arc bomb that dropped into Romeo, like through three. You when you're watching the game, you're like that this is getting intercepted. Yeah, like,
1: but the thing is, Patrick Mahomes does that all the time. I mean, it's just no, another the, the, version. There's there
0: some similarities to the game for sure. And it's also like Look, Matt Lafleur is a good head coach. Andy Reid is a Andy Reid is like a once in a lifetime head coach in terms of offensive ability and what he gets out of his quarterbacks. And when you were talking about the sort of the draft process, you wonder like, what if what if Patrick Mahomes didn't go to Kansas City? I'd love to know what Andy Reid has thought about the various quarterbacks that have come out of the draft, come into the draft over the last few years when he didn't need to draft one but obviously isn't going to give his opinion and say, oh, I love this guy. He's incredible because everyone will move up the board. I feel like Jordan Love would be one of those guys that he would fall in love with because of the skill set, because of the physical traits, and because he believes he can coach him into a spot where he performs at a really high level. And, you know, look, this is a team, and we'll get to the NFC playoff picture in a minute. Packers are right there, man.
1: They're They're currently... The number seven seed ahead of your Los Angeles Rams. Breach before them. we move on. No, oh,
0: sorry, I was go going to say they had they had, they had a top five pick two weeks like three weeks ago.
1: Yeah, if they lost today, the Rams. They, uh, excuse me, the Packers. They would have the number ten pick, and I know that because I have a mock draft coming out uh, on Tuesday. Breach before we move on to talk about uh, my Detroit Lions. Any Detroit concern Lions. at all about the Kansas City Chiefs? Are now eight and four, mm-hmm. number four in the AFC, and don't look to be like a team that has people that can catch passes consistently from the best quarterback in the league.
2: Yeah, this is easily the weakest Chiefs team we have seen in the Patrick Mahomes era. Uh, Brinson's making that face. I, I mean, what did I say two weeks ago when we watched the Eagles on Chiefs on Monday Night Football that I didn't think either of those teams were capable would end up winning the Super Bowl just because it seemed like they didn't have the same pieces they had last year, and they don't look as high-powered as they did last year. I feel the same way now that we're through 13 weeks. Neither of those teams have fixed enough where I would feel comfortable picking them to win the Super Bowl. And it's Mahomes, he just doesn't look comfortable at times throwing to these guys. I mean, look, the Chiefs are trying to get their ground game involved a lot more so that Mahomes doesn't have to take over. I mean, that's what happened. We, they ran for almost 150 yards tonight. But when Travis Kelsey's only catching four passes and you have to depend on Rasheed Rice, who had a decent game, but nobody else really did anything. And so it, Mahomes is looking for someone who can be that new weapon besides Kelsey. And he just hasn't been able to find it. And that's fine in week three or week four. But now there's only five weeks left in the season and you're eight and four. You no longer have the inside track of the number one seed. And, you, you know, you've been hosting five straight AFC title games. And it feels like they're not going to host it this year because they're not. Maybe not
0: gonna get there well all right so you're not you're not wrong per se I mean you're not wrong <laughs> you're not wrong they uh, the ball are just coming they do have a they do have a six win a six game win streak on the season and they started that off by beating the Jaguars who they have a tie break over they also beat the Dolphins in Germany so they have a tie break over them they
1: here we can do the AFC playoff picture in a second. We don't have to go through that right here. But I mean, I, if you I, wanted to no, 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 no. no,
0: no, no. I, I just I think that here here's, here would be my counterpoint to Breach saying they're the weakest team. I think from a wide receiver standpoint and offensive wait, weakest receiver. weakest Chiefs team of the past five years, not the weakest team in the AFC. No, they're no, they're right. worse than the Steelers. That's what you said. <laughs> yeah, they're worse than the Patriots, obviously. Patriots. I, Patriots. I Clarifying so that Gary 6. doesn't seven. chop
2: it up and put it on Twitter.
0: Me uh, calling the Chiefs the worst team so in the AFC. I, I, I'm saying that, like, I think the difference maybe with this Chiefs team is they have they have wide receiver issues for sure. Offensive, offensively, they're not the same Chiefs team we've seen in the last few years. But what if they just what if they find their like if you I trust them to find themselves offensively more than I do them to find themselves defensively. So they're good defensively, right?
1: They weren't tonight, but typically well, they are. They, they suffer some doing injuries. Jordan well
0: Love playing great. I, I just think there's if if they get to the playoffs and the defense is playing at the same level it's played at the whole season, and the, the offense can get can snap, it can can flick a switch and, and get turned on. So I, that I'm not hitting the panic button on that quite yet. Chiefs are 0 and
2: 4 this season when their defense surrenders 21 points or more. That's not great. Yeah. Not great. Usually you can count on Mahomes to win a shootout like that. This year, they can't do that. They can't count on that all the time.
1: And it's breach notes. It's If
0: there was a year for a team to steal the AFC West, this would be it, and nobody wants to do it.
1: As breach notes. There's five weeks left in the season, too. This isn't like week four. There's a lot of lot to fix and not a lot of time. All right. The Detroit Lions have fixed a lot of things because last year, they started the season off terribly, got red hot, and this year they've continued the red hotness, and they jumped out to a 21 nothing lead against the – Derek Carr's in New Orleans. It was so bad that Derek Carr was getting cheered when he was coming off for Taysom Hill and getting booed when he's coming back on to come under center. Then he got the snot knocked out of him, which happens about every three weeks, and he looked like mm -hmm. they were going to have to take him out of there literally in a body bag. Luckily, he walked off, but Yolo Jameis came in and was throwing darts all over the yard, and things got crazy. Uh, Brenton, is this sustainable for Detroit? Because they are a fun football team. Jameer Gibbs, all the rookies are going off. Brian Branch, Sam LaPorta all had great games, but it feels like they're at the point in their process where they're red hot and then they fall asleep for 25 minutes and wake up and allow Derek Carr to get back into the game and then they, they can turn and, uh, flip the switch that you're talking about with the Chiefs and, and get back to it. So that feels like a dangerous game to play this time of year.
0: So I, I think that at this point of the year, it's important to take the entire season in context. And that's what I'm going to try to do with the Lions here they have beaten the chiefs on the, obviously beaten the chiefs in week 1 on the road in Kansas City. They split with the packers, which is fine. Green Bay's a better team. Green Bay's actually kind of what we thought they would be, a wild card team that would hang around and if Jordan Love was playing well, they'd be a problem. They split with them, they lose to the ravens, they lose to the seahawks in overtime at home coming off of that chiefs win. And again, the other other losses is against the packers at home. Now, that was recent and they have struggled. Like, they were struggling against – they struggled against the Bears badly. Jared Goff was not good. That was at home. To lose to the Packers at home, not great. You go to the Saints, and you play with your food again. I think that this is a really good Lions team that is probably, at 9-3 and now, having maybe a little bit over their skis in terms of where they even thought they would be and so there, this is kind of a regression to the mean of sorts. The good news for them, they have the Broncos, uh, the Bears. Actually, bad news—they have the Broncos at home. They do get the Vikings twice, and I feel like if you're going to get the Vikings twice after the Josh Jobs Cinderella story has crashed, is a pretty good spot. I think worst case, they split with the Vikings. Let's say they lose to the Cowboys. That's fine. Cowboys are great at home. You. Do you split Bears and Broncos? I'm just trying to figure out. They have five games left. How many games do they win of those five? At Chicago versus Denver, at Minnesota, at Dallas versus Minnesota. I think two and three worst case.
2: I was going to say three and two worst case. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I think three and two is likely. I think that's the likely record because you lose. Yeah, four and one is possible. This is a good, tough team that is probably a year ahead of where we thought they would be relative to the entire picture. Nine and three is an outrageous record and this is good. I'll just say to Brinson's point
2: real quick that, you know, you just kind of went through all the games in the season, which was kind of fitting because I felt like this, four-quarter game against the Saints epitomized their entire season where you look at the first quarter they're up 21 nothing and you're like oh my god the Lions are could literally be the best team in the NFC if they were to play like this all the time and then the second half uh it's like okay this is the Lions team that lost to the Packers this is the Lions team that almost lost to the Bears why is this Lions team keep showing up at, when they could have just stomped New Orleans out and put them away so they're a little inconsistent but I think they're talented enough to beat anyone in the NFC if they play their best game uh it's just they're a little streaky right now
0: fastest team to 21 points in a game since the Raiders in 2010 the first team since the 86 Vikings with three offensive touchdowns in the first seven minutes of a game and it's their largest lead through the first through, through the first quarter of a game since 1944 they're also up to their best start since 1962. The, the Lions are here. You just sort of wonder if they're a little wobbly because they don't know how to handle it.
1: All right, well, let's talk about NFC playoff picture because I, I think it's fair to say that um, the Saints can't get out from under. They have to pay Derek Carr next year, and that's a conversation for another time. I'm not going to waste any any breath on the New Orleans Saints other than they're not a good football team in terms of consistency. But in terms of the NFC playoff picture, uh, Breach, I, I'll ask you the same question, and you know we can repackages if you want. Let's start. We've talked about Philadelphia and San Francisco. Let's start, start, start with Detroit at three, and then we'll talk about the teams that are uh, on the border of being in and being out at the bottom of the NFC. Is yes. this sustainable for Detroit? And, and that means, can they make a playoff run, or is it going to be one of these things where they pull a Chargers last year against the Jaguars because they're not playing 60 minutes of football?
2: I don't think they'll pull a Chargers. I think they win the division. I think they win their wild card game, which... Uh, ironically enough, could be against the Packers at the way rate things are going, maybe against the Rams, because it feels like Detroit's going to be the three seed. I don't think we're going to see the NFC South team pass them. I don't think we're going to see Detroit catch San Francisco or Philadelphia. So that pretty much locks them into the three where you play the six. And, you know, obviously the Vikings are in the six spot right now. I don't think the Vikings will last there. So, yeah, I think maybe a wild card win feels like best case scenario for them. I just we've seen too many holes over the past few weeks to make me think they can make a run to the Super Bowl. It's that's r- a moral
1: victory, though, right, Princeton? Like a wild card. That's a that's a step in the right direction for yeah, that. For sure.
0: I, I think I think to I think, Bre- I think breach is spot on here. Um, I think they will beat the dog. Whatever you dog crap out of what dog trash. I doo-doo. said do Ad- do. Yeah, dog. I was on Time to Shine and I I was about to quote Wilson and say dog crap or dog doo doo. And instead of like panics, it was like, I can't say crap or doo doo on CBS Sports Network. So I said dog trash. And Shine then repeated dog trash seven times on the closing. He's like, Did you say dog trash? I was like, I don't even know what dog trash is. Yeah, that's a new one. Yeah, tell me about it. The point being is, um, I think if they could get the two seed then you could put them in the championship game potentially and you pray for an upset and you're hosting the championship game. But I think Breach is right. If they're the three seed, they are going to end up losing to either San Francisco, San Francisco or Philadelphia feel like much Detroit's upside in a perfect game. And if Dan Campbell is like hyper aggressive and they get a bunch of fourth downs and the defense makes some turnovers, yeah, they can win any game. But I don't, I would not want to, bet my life on detroit beating either san francisco or philadelphia and i think if detroit was traveling in a playoff game against those teams who are tested in these playoff games that the line would be at least five and a half
1: yeah no i think that's right and it's just there's too much uncertainty and that's sort of the the point let's talk about team six and seven currently in the nfc that's minnesota and Green Bay, both at six and six. Dallas is at nine and three at the fifth seed, but they they feel like a lock, and we just talked about them potentially even winning the NFC East, so I don't think that's a yeah. uh, a point of conversation. Who the hell knows? They could actually win the division at this point, or the conference, excuse me. All right, so we have Minnesota Green Bay on the inside breach, on the outside with the exact same record, the Rams and the Seahawks, and hell, man, you can throw Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Bucks in there after, after their win over the, the mighty Carolina Panthers at five and seven. Anything entice you on the outside looking in in terms of swapping out some names?
2: I will just say real quick. Look, the Week Eleven show. We all sat here after the Seahawks lost to the Rams, and we pointed out their schedule and we're like, they're this is not going to be easy. They are probably not going to make the playoffs. We don't care where they are right now." And by, now, we,
0: by we, you mean you? You did well,
2: it. and you guys agreed. I mean, because oh, yeah. you had the Rams, you had the Rams in the playoffs, Brinson. Uh, taking out a team, and so I, that's, I, I'm still on the rams Brinson wagon there. I think the Rams are the team that sneaks in. I, I feel like it's Packers-Rams now. I think the Packers yep. were the team I was worried about. I, we've been talking about the Rams for I feel like two weeks as a team that could possibly get in. I didn't think the Packers were going to beat the Chiefs tonight, and now that I saw them do it, and Jordan Love has played a month of consistently good folk- football, I'm sold on the Packers. They're getting in the playoffs. Vikings, you're gone. Rams, you're in. Packers, you're in. Cowboys, you're in. Those are my wild card predictions. What
1: do you got, Brunson?
0: Oh, sorry. I was uh, the uh, the NFL stat feed. I was like confused. They added a new. This is actually really cool. I don't know if you guys are on uh, the NFL internal, like the NFL media stat feed, but they've added a K that they put next to teams. Have you seen this when they strike out? No, <laughs> it's, it's you're eliminated from division contention. Oh, that's fine. That is new. Yeah. So the Giants, Washington, Arizona, and Carolina are all eliminated from division contention in the NFC. And I I, I mentioned that because Carolina, the first team and only team to be eliminated from playoff contention. It's embarrassing. It's humiliating. They fired their coach and a bunch of coaches. Um, I think the way to do this for the NFC is to sort, to put it into sort of uh, silos. You have the Eagles. Niners, Lions, and Cowboys in one silo. Probably gonna be the one, two, three, and then the five seed. Actually, definitely gonna be the one, two, three, and the five seed somehow in some order. You can make cases for all of those guys. It's a, a long shot case for Dallas. Of course, they play Philly coming up and could really shake things up if the if they were to win that game. I think the percentages for so Dallas is fifteen percent to win the um to to win the division right now. If they were to beat the Eagles, it would still just be 24%. So nothing insane. On the front, like I think the the second silo is the NFC South. I don't think one of those teams is going to make a wild card spot. I think it's probably Atlanta. I think Atlanta gets it, but Tampa Bay and New Orleans can make a move there. And then I agree with Breach. I think it's Green Bay and the Rams who should be the favorites to get those uh, those wild card spots. Obviously, Minnesota and Seattle could have something to say, as could the NFC South teams. But I think it's probably four teams vying for two spots for those wild card situations. And the crazy thing is, if
1: the Geno Smiths had hung on and beat the Cowboys, because they were they basically pulled the Saints versus the. Uh, Lions today, the early half of that game, and they were playing extremely well. We would have a completely different take, but hey, that's how the old cookie crumbles. They didn't uh, hang on. Dak played out of his mind. Cowboys are ninety-three. Pig butt bounces. That's how the big butt bounces. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, and while we take a break, Princeton's gonna pull up the MVP odds, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about some MVP candidates because I got I got some sleepers for you right after this. Robert Half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring.
3: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires
1: downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. All right, boys. Let's talk MVP. Breach, that stands for most valuable player. What? No, I know, right? So most valuable purdy. That's that's one option uh, because producer is a, huh? So that was a good tease by Brinson. Yeah, because because uh, because excuse me, Bruce Aries is a diehard, Dolphins fan. Of course, he led with Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill, of course, had 157 receiving yards, two touchdowns, of uh, 60 plus yards today. Uh, that'll work unless you're playing for Washington, in which case uh, I think Tyreek was wearing his invisibility cloak. A couple other names I wanted to put out there. I mean, sweet mercy alive! If you if you're listening, I've got the, I had the
0: odds was, up already. By the way. Who do you think Hold on one hired? second. Hold on just okay. one second, yeah.
1: just for people that are listening. Producer Harry put up a graphic that says most games with 150 plus receiving yards and two plus receiving touchdowns. Tyreek has eight, tied with the great Don Maynard, and only nine behind some guy Wild. named Jerry Rice. What was that, Brunson?
0: Um, who do you think is higher in the MVP odds? To, uh... Well, let me
1: let me give you my dark horses because of course Producer Harry is all on the Tyreek train. I want to throw out two names, and you. I'm going, to, I'm going to rank them at how I think they are on the actual odds that you're looking at. So I'm going to go C.J. Stroud, Brock Purdy, Tyreek Hill in that order.
0: That would be largely incorrect. In, fact, why, in, fact, why, in fact, wildly incorrect. What's your, your guess? dog trash, so, Wilson.
1: Use those three names, Breach, and use your, give me your predictions of those three names, how they're on the list. And uh,
0: I, out of those three? Yeah. And you know put, that put, put, numbers, put numbers next to them.
1: Well, I'm just ranking them first, and then we can go back and put the numbers. I, I would sure. say Pur- Purdy's number one, Stroud's
2: number two, and and Tyreek Hill's number three.
0: Also incorrect. Oh wow!
2: All right.
0: What, what do you think Brock Purdy's number at DraftKings is for MVP right now? I have. No, Tell me it's what a thousand plus 1? 10, 10 to one, ten to one, five and a half to one. What? So wait, uh, Tyreek's is lower than that. Tyreek's eighteen to one. So what's Tyreek's CJ? Is, CJ Stroud's twenty to one.
1: Oh, so it's Brock,
0: Tyreek, CJ. Tyreek, I mean, Tua is nine and a half to one. Well, Tua's playing out of his
1: mind, too. And t-
0: to be I, but fair. I get, but, but in between Tua and Tyreek is Christian McCaffrey at 16 to one. And that's where this gets really interesting to me because you have of the, so Jalen Hurts, two and a half to one. Dak Prescott, plus 425. Lamar Jackson, four and a half to one. Mahomes, five to one. And then Purdy, Tua, Christian, CMC, and Tyreek. And there's a huge drop-off after Tua because it's a quarterback thing, obviously. But I feel like because Purdy, Tua, CMC, and Tyreek are so clustered there, it's hard to see voters. Like I think you'll see split votes. I don't think somebody like Pete Prisco is going to vote for... I don't think he will. Uh, although, actually, maybe Pete's a perfect test case. Pete doesn't like Brock Purdy. He doesn't like Tua. I can see him voting for Tyreek Hill or Christian McCaffrey over those guys. Well, let's let me let me put it to
1: you in, in the terms like I, I get it. That makes sense. But I'm actually interested in what you guys think about the Brock Purdy, Tyreek, and CJ conversation. CJ especially because he's a rookie, he's playing out of his mind, yada yada yada. And if they go to the playoffs, because refresh my memory, that the awards come out before the Super Bowl, but after the playoffs, and the vote takes place before the playoffs. The vote, the vote the takes
0: playoff? place uh, the immediately after the regular season, gotcha. before the, the wild card. Okay, before okay. the wild card, and the vote and the, and the, and they were announced the night before the Super Bowl. Right, so breach. you
1: know who is going to the playoffs, so you can vote on CJ right. taking the Texans to the playoffs. You just right,
0: but happens. breach. When is the last time the MVP winner did not win this division? Okay, uh, we covered this. It's been a long time.
2: It has been. I think it's Barry Sanders.
0: <laughs> Barry Sanders. Yeah. So that's the problem for for who CJ Shroud. Why? They're not out of it. No, they're not out of it. But that's that's the problem. I mean, that's so you have jail. Uh, yeah, jailers, but I, Dak I'll just say dude. Dak Prescott. I w- Dak Prescott before that Thursday night game was a pretty good look. He was like fifteen to one or ten to one or something like that. What's lower than that now? Shouldn't shouldn't it be? He's plus four at four twenty five. Okay, yeah, yeah. There's I think, a lot, there's a lot of guys in the conversation. If I was if I was going to go with a sleeper, I think Trevor Lawrence would be it. Adrian
2: Peterson, 2012 was the last one. Oh, good call, good call. A A running back,
1: still a running back. Yeah, not quite that long. Stole it from Peyton Manning. There's no way Trevor Lawrence is winning it unless he gets Dak Prescott red hot because he's not even the best quarterback productivity-wise in that division.
0: Yeah, but at 35 to one, 35. I'm seeing the value. Not, not. I think he's going to win it. 35 to one value. If he gets white hot and the jaguars win get the number one seed in the afc okay well there's a lot of ifs there but sure And <laughs> in, in that case i granted that well yeah I, I, i'm just saying that i like, it's not like that's not that crazy right
1: how crazy is that breach on a scale of one to ten where ten is max breach craziness uh if trevor lawrence wins the mvp if they get red hot get the number one seed and he wins mvp where, where's that rank on the breach craziness scale
2: as I sit here on Trevor Lawrence's throne in the great city of Jacksonville. It is a 10 crazy for instance. I don't even think the people downstairs in this hotel bar think that Trevor Lawrence is going to win MVP. I mean it, it could happen if, if they get the number one seat, absolutely it's possible. But I think that would be bonkers are
0: you for gonna, Jacksonville are to get the number gonna, one seat. Are you gonna hang out with my brother, fellow Android texter? Oh yeah, texter? Gonna, I gotta set, that up. I'll set it up. Set it up. Yeah, I'm an uncle wrote a game with my brother, he's in Jacksonville right now with my family. I should have gotten a free lodges. Is he at the same there. hotel? Is he in the room next to me? No, you see staying with my aunt <laughs> uncle. My, my mom's whole family lives in Jacksonville. Um, Anyway, look, I think, and I wrote about this on CBSSports.com on Sunday Sunday night, I think you make a perfectly good case that Tyreek Hill is an MVP candidate. I think Tua is an MVP candidate too. I have no problem with either, either one of them win it, but I think you watch a Dolphins game and I, I don't want to I'll let you can decide if you want to bring producer Harry in to discuss this, Ryan. What are you about to say that's gonna upset Harry? Nothing, but like if you're what what would I want to know if Harry had an MVP vote if you'd give it to Tyreek or Tua.
1: Producer Harry, show yourself so you can appear a pair
0: of Hello Harry. <laughs> like
3: Aladdin. I, I was I was ready for this. Uh so <laughs> um I would personally give it to Tua because he has to coordinate the offense, which has an incredible amount of motion pre-snap. He has to read. He uh, And the, the perfect example of this is Tyreek today on his 60-yard touchdown, not his 78-yard touchdown, but his 60-yard touchdown, um, said that he thought that Tua threw it to the wrong place because he had to adjust. He switched shoulders over which he was going to catch this, right? And then, you know, as they were going to the sidelines too. It was like, no, no, I was I threw it at the right place. You ran the wrong route. And Tyreek said, "I went over the sidelines. I checked the tape. Tua was right. And then, uh, you know, in the in the post game when uh, they were doing like those little TikTok videos they do, uh, Tyreek ran over and grabbed Tua and was like, did my MVP.' So like, even even Tyreek thinks Tua should be the MVP. That being said, Tyreek is having a bonker season, and every like, I every time I looked up, he was catching a sixty yard pass. It was insane."
1: You know, what's funny um, about Tyreek is that oh, when he came to Miami, he started to tell everyone and their brother that two was playing really well and they were going to be really good. And they was like, aha, yeah, sure. You just let Patrick Mahomes. Turns out most things that Tyreek says and does turn out to be. exactly I, I, right.
0: I think his actual quote and Harry, you, you know, this better than me, but I think his quote was, this is the most accurate quarterback I've ever played with in my entire life. And he's probably two probably more accurate than Patrick Mahomes. He's not a better quarterback. Nobody's saying that, but he's probably more accurate. Um, I would say this, by the way. Tyreek Hill is minus 175 at DraftKings for Offensive Player of the Year.
1: That is still
0: good value. We've been telling you for weeks that like plus 150 or something like that was good value. Minus 175, you're laying a lot of juice. This guy here, these, these stats are crazy. This is from the CBS Sports Research team. They're fantastic. They're tremendous. Highly recommend you follow what they do. Tyreek has 1,481 receiving yards this season, third most by a player through 12 games in NFL history. He's on pace for 2,098 receiving yards this season. No player, obviously, in NFL history has ever had 2,000 receiving yards. He has 11 career touchdowns of 75-plus yards. Tied for fifth most all-time with Dante Hall, who got them uh, through returns. He has 21 career touchdowns of 60-plus yards, which is insane. Tied for third most of all-time with Devin Hester, also through returns. And he has, this is his fifth game this season with 150-plus yards, most in NFL history, and he's only played in 12 games. He is... People, if, if anybody does the dumb thing where they say, who won the Tyreek trade? The Chiefs won the Super Bowl, and Tyreek got paid and is having enormous numbers. He already has a Super Bowl in Miami. So everybody won. Tyreek won. The Chiefs won. Travis Kelsey got to yell, you're a jabroni. And Tyreek, everybody won. The Dolphins won.
3: Yeah, Tyreek has actually already had his best season receiving ever. And it's only week. Uh, that's wild. 13, Thirteen, yeah. He's he has more receiving yards than he ever. Is. He hasn't. Uh, he had 15 touchdowns one season. He's not there yet, but he'll easily get there. He's it's insane.
2: Breach. Let me There's let points. me ask you guys this real quick. The Dolphins are nine and three. Let's say they get spanked by the Cowboys in Week 16. <laughs> they get spanked by the Ravens in Week 17. I'm sorry, Harry. They go 12 and five. They win the division. They get the number two seed in the that's AFC. Good, that's, a good,
0: that's a good question.
2: But they do not beat a team with a winning record the entire season. Does is that it? detract? Does that take away from their chances of Tyreek or to a oh. winning MVP?
0: I was gonna say, is it a good season? I thought that was your gonna be question. Like number two oh, the uh, you made the playoffs. Won the I want to know if that hurts their MVP case. record in your
3: regular season. Does exactly. that hurt their MVP case? Great to show and turf Rams didn't uh didn't beat a single t- uh team with a winning record during their Super Bowl year oh, that's a uh part. so
2: right but the other MVP candidates weren't guys like Brock Purdy who has an NFL record four wins against teams who are multiple games over
1: 500. hey Harry just let me introduce you to passive aggressive breach who is now angry <laughs> that Joe burrow is out, out for the season
0: no no it's, oh, wait, it's wait. two weeks ago it's hey, Fun fact about the 1999 Rams. Do you know what week the 1990, 1999 Rams had their bye week? Week 18. Week, week 2. I was going to say week 2. Week 2. <laughs> what the hell has a bye week in week 2? By <laughs> the two. way, the last
1: week of bye weeks for this season was uh, week 13. Right. So everyone's playing from here on out.
2: Actually, Wilson, week. the last week of bye weeks is week 14. The Cardinals oh, and okay. Commanders are off oh, thank in week you. 14. Yes. Yeah. I'm a bye expert in the podcast. What's that? I said, I'm the buy expert on the podcast. Just let me have that. You're right. You bad. did okay. get
0: week eighteen for the, the 1999 nineteen ninety nine St. Louis Big Rams expert. when there were only sixteen games. There's seventeen <laughs> weeks in the season, but sure, yeah, buy expert. All right.
1: Good seeing you, producer Harry. We are done with the Dolphins. Uh I can't believe Breach wants them to go twelve and five and then lose sixty five to nothing in their first playoff game, but that's how Breach is.
2: All right. And the joke's on Brinson because they did have a bye in Week 18, which was
0: wild card week. Oh, oh got you on the tight they, they did. They did have to capture of the, the scene and people. go buy. Yes, that's true. All right. Technology.
1: So one of the teams that uh, I've been talking up a lot and just mentioned CJ Stroud as a potential MVP candidate, Houston Texans uh, and breach. Uh, huge win today. Hit a rough patch because Tank Dell, unfortunately, fractured his fibula, which is not two words you want to use together in a sentence when describing your body. He is done for the season, unfortunately, because he has been so integral to their success, um, in part because despite the fact of him being barely 5'8", he is somehow always open. Uh, He's sort of elevated that offense around Nico Collins, around Dalton Schultz, even Robert Woods, John Mechie, so on and so forth. How does this team move forward offensively? Is it something they can manage with the loss of Tank Dell, with the understanding that Dalton Schultz didn't play on Sunday either because of injury. He'll be coming back, and he and CJ have a pretty good relationship. But how do you pick up that slack um, when Tank Dell was in the running, going to be in the conversation at least, for you know Offensive Rookie of the Year?
2: Well, I guess you pick up the slack by doing what the Texans did today, which was – uh, throw the ball to Nico Collins a lot and have him finish with 191 yards because that was an absolutely insane game because we've seen how much C.J. Shroud loves uh, Dalton Schultz, loves throwing to his tight end. He had 455 yards on the season. We've seen how much he loves Tank Dell. Tank Dell's over 700 yards on the season. You don't have those two guys. And he's like, all right, well, I'll just go to Nico Collins. It did look like The Texans offense took maybe a small step back, but that's going to happen when you lose a key player like that to injury. I do think with the way CJ Stroud has been playing that he's probably going to be able to adjust to this at some point. Maybe it takes a week or two because it's not easy. You have great chemistry with this guy. You lost him. You got to find that with somebody else. Uh, But I do think they'll be okay. I still think they can get to the playoffs. I still think, you know, this team has a very high upside, Uh, but, it hurts. I mean, that's the bottom line. This hurts, but if this defense keeps playing the way they're playing, maybe that's the part that makes up for that because the Texans want to score 30 points to win games.
0: Can we talk about the play of where Tank tail got injured? Cause I mean, yes, we got rolled up on th- what, what do you mean? I mean it was a, it was a second and three from a second and second and goal on the three and they ran the ball with Damian Pierce and tank was like, and tank is not a big dude. Tank is like my size. If I quit drinking beer for a month, <laughs> Um and is he like one two? What is he? What like five nine? Five eight 165?
1: Yep, that's about right.
0: He's he's me after a dry January basically, and he was blocking like downhill in the middle of the formation, and he really shouldn't have been there.
1: Well, sometimes you have the wide receivers at the block in line, and that's what happened. Robert Woods got re- was right you, next
0: to him. I'm with you, but, but you got Robert Woods, who's one of the best like blocking wide receivers in the league. I don't know. Don't put Tankel there. Okay. I mean, that's sort of a, a, a they question. Weird. They questioned on the broadcast. I, I mean, that, I don't. But... I don't. princeton's
2: point of don't put the 165 pound guy in the middle of the line, asking him in a goal line situation. This isn't like at the fifty. This is at the goal line where the other team has their beefy goal line guys in, and your 165 pound the... guy can get mowed over.
0: Wasn't this the? What uh, was I an Eagle in this game, or is this the?
1: Yeah, I think it was CD and Iron.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, Ian Eagle was calling it quick. Like, he was – look, dude, I'm not D- – D'Amico Ryan's is an awesome coach. Bobby Slovak is doing fantastic work with this offense. I thought CJ Stroud had – and I read about this too in the context of the AFC South. CJ Stroud didn't have his best game. Man, this dude is awesome. He had just some touch passes, like, to his left where you're blown away. And you see, this game had a forty percent swing in playoff percentage points, according to our sports line projection model. Coming in, Texans win seventy plus percent; they're into the playoffs. Texans lose thirty plus percent. Texas defense, Derek Stingley's coming on like gangbusters. He's playing awesome football right now. Has a bunch of picks lately. You know, the Sauce Gardner's incredible, but Derek Stingley was a top five pick for a reason. Will Anderson two sacks in this game. He's playing awesome. They're, if you're a Texas fan, you should be hyped about this defense because D'Amico Ryans is a great coach. He's they got great young talent, and he's getting the most out of them at a time when they really needed it because the, the offense played well, but the defense is what won this game to me. They intercepted Russell Wilson on three of his last four drives, and Russ talked about it at the end of the game and said, yeah, the first one was tipped. It's just one of those things that happens in the NFL. He said, the last two were just great plays by their defense. The Texans... And we'll get to this when we do playoff picture in a second. But remember a couple weeks ago when I said that the AFC South would get three teams in the playoffs?
1: I don't. Do you remember that, Breach? I think I
0: remember it because I thought two, and I thought he was a little
2: crazy for three. But here we are. Crazy Brinson predictions. Brinson is the god of the AFC South. Last year, boldly predicted that Jacksonville would win it. We laughed at him. This year he said when it didn't seem possible that three AFC South teams would get in, here we are. And it's starting to take shape.
1: Uh, Well, Brinson got the answer right about how does C.J. Stroud and the Texans get past Tank Dell, the defense. Uh, The other part of that equation is that uh, that plus 16 turnovers, plus 13 turnover differential, that isn't going to last forever for Denver. And we saw that when Russ started throwing picks. The first tip interception that Brinson talked about, that was Will Anderson as well to go along with the sacks. And that leads Breach to your Lord and Savior, Gardner Minshew, the starting quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts, who tried his damnedest to lose that game in any number of ways. And look, let's start with Gardner Minshew, but because you are our special teams correspondent, let's start before we start. Oh, my God. What in the Sam hell is going on with the special teams coordinator in Tennessee? Is he still employed? And Ryan Stone Street may have only one leg after the, the plant leg got amputated because they got back-to-back block punts on block punts that I had literally never seen so wide-ass open before.
0: By by the way, if Breach Breach had like a uh, Gardner Minshew do the LeBron James powder toss, like giant chest tattoo, would that surprise you in any way, shape, or form?
1: No.
2: Maybe if the Colts win the Super Bowl with old Gardner Minshew. Uh, And for people who haven't been listening to the show for the past five years, this all goes back to when I made myself the president of the Gardner Minshew fan club. What, during his rookie year, I think? Sure. Sure. Because I think we were talking about teams that needed quarterbacks, and I said I would trade a no, second-round pick. You said
0: like last year you said you'd
2: trade a third-round pick. No, it was, it, was when he, it was when he played for Jacksonville because yeah. he was going to be a free agent. And and I was like, I would trade a second-round pick for Gardner Minshew right now. Got laughed at. And now, who's laughing? Certainly not Gardner Minshew and certainly not the Cole Titans special teams coach, uh, Craig Ockerman. Yeah, so real quick on the punts. <laughs> you called Look, his name out. I love it. <laughs> if there is one thing – A block punt, those happen, okay? You have one block punt in a game, that's fine. If you have one block punt in a season, that's fine. You cannot have two block punts in a game on consecutive possessions and then have your punter's leg almost broken because the guy got in there so fast that he literally almost caught the football when the punter dropped it to kick it. That should not be possible. That is such a disaster of epic proportions that, I I mean – I've never seen anything like that. That is just this, unbelievable. This game might and have been quick, your
0: Mona Lisa breach.
2: I, 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 the Titans, the, the Colts returned the first block punt for a touchdown. The second one, they got a field goal four plays but, later. And that's a 10-point swing. And
0: that was But, the, but, game. but, but in between, the Titans blocked, the or the, the, the Colts blocked the, the punt for a touchdown. The, t- the Colts didn't go for two. Minshew is intercepted and the Titans take it back the other way for two points. It was and then the, the punter breaks his leg. Ryan Tannehill's out there holding. Nick Falk is punting for the first time in his entire career. He's like 39 years old. It was it was like special teams Armageddon out there. Yeah, and to Brent's point
2: with Tannehill holding, so after the two pointer got returned, that made the score 22, 19. Colts are up. So now you're only up a field goal. Uh the extra point. Well, the Colts blocked the field goal. They, they blocked the punt, then they get a field goal. So now it's 25-19. The touchdown you're talking about made it 25-25. The extra point would have given the Titans the lead in the fourth quarter, but Tannehill was holding. It's and was, over. I'm, I'm watching this game with my dad, of course. Uh, as you guys know, special teams veteran, longtime NFL kicker, and he's just like pulling his hair out. And I was like, Dad, how many times in practice this week do you think Ryan Tannehill got to practice holding? Yes, he said zero. I guarantee you, Tannehill did not practice holding a single time. They throw him in there, missed the extra point. I mean,
0: what about hold what, about hold? what about hold? Well,
1: hold on. Let me ask Breach this, and then we'll move on quickly because Harry's got things to do. So, Breach, the hole did look, to Brinson's point, like it was fine. The laces were not straight out, but they weren't pointing at the kicker's foot. But Ryan Tannehill stood up and said, "My bad." Why do you say my bad?
2: Well, our theory is that most kickers like the ball at an angle, and that Tannehill did not put it at the yeah. angle that. Bulk wanted it, and so that will throw off everything. And, you know, you're practicing every day. You're going to get the angle with your punter when he's holding. But that clearly did not
3: happen he with Tim.
0: definitely closer. Like when they showed the replay, they're like, that's a pretty good hold. But the angle of the ball, I didn't think about it until you said it right now, but the angle of the yeah. ball is definitely like 45-ish degrees versus, you know, I mean. At least he got the laces out. That's half, yeah. that's half the battle. All right, Great 10, job, 10 seconds, angle. Breach.
1: Gardner Minshew, Colts, playoffs, 10 seconds.
2: Uh, yes, we saw him throw for 300 yards today. Minshew was on a roll and at seven and five, I think they can probably win three and two, four and one in their next five games. I, I think they're absolutely in the playoffs.
0: Brenton, so, all right, Texas, Gardner- Texas, the Colts and the Browns of the Steelers. All four of those teams are seven and five. The Ravens are winning their division. Jaguars are winning their division. Which two seven and five teams would you pick Wilson? Your Steelers, your Mitchell Trubisky, your dorian thompson robinson joe flacco or cj stroud and god dimension. or joe, joe flacco, flacco. Yeah, i mean joe flacco, excuse me yeah
1: brenton i'm um, brenton breach said that there's no way that the browns don't make the playoffs i'm gonna stick with it i think joe flacco actually played pretty well uh i was surprised by some of the things he was able to do i'm sure the jets were like okay yeah maybe we
0: should have got that
1: that could have been a plan b i
0: i i think that the uh I think For instance, you, need to, you need
2: to play that recording when the Browns get eliminated in like week 17 of me saying you saying they're going to miss it. And I'm like, there's no way they're going to miss it. And now I don't
0: want easy now. Like, oh, uh, no, up, Upset has the say- Texans of oh, the four teams, Texans, 78 percent, Colts, 67 percent, Browns, 60 percent, Steelers, 53 percent. Yeah, blah, let's blah. be real.
1: I mean, whether it's Kenny Pickett or Mr. Trubisky or. Or your grandmother. It doesn't really matter for Pittsburgh, as I've told producer here before the show, unless the the run game is on point and the defense is playing well. But I'm going to stick with Breach's Browns prediction just because I'm a Joe Flacco fan now. I think the Colts get in. And then I'll ask you guys, where are you on the Buffalo Bills?
0: Are they in trouble.
1: They're currently 10th behind the Texans and the Broncos. Both Texans and Broncos have flaws in different ways, injuries-related and then offense-related if you're Denver – and you know, Brenton likes to have all these what ifs breached, So if they get red hot, if they score eighty points a game, if they don't, have give you up seen any the Bills'
0: schedule, dude? I get it. Nah.
1: You you're, you they're like done. to set the you know set the odds pretty
0: steep and then try to surmount them. So just they're right at there. Kansas City, coming off an embarrassing primetime loss again. Like Kansas City has a chance. Uh, Upshot has them at twenty seven percent to make the playoffs if they beat Kansas City in Arrowhead. Uh, by the way, we'll be doing a watch party. Check that out on a Sunday afternoon, Breach and I. I don't know if Wilson will be there or not. Uh, on this feed, presumably. Who the hell knows? We'll get told eventually at some point. But at the Chiefs next week, Sunday, if they lose 5% chance to make the playoffs, I I mean, I, I don't know what the line's going to be on that, but I would take the Chiefs because I think Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs will be angry even if they buy the Bills. The, the Bills are in trouble.
2: And then after the Chiefs, they play the Cowboys. So those are the next two games. I agree with Brenton. I don't think Bills are in trouble.
1: Okay, no chance. All right. Well, tell me who who's getting in over the Steelers because I'm assuming you guys are pushing the Steelers out.
0: I think it's the three AFC North team, or AFC South team. Excuse me.
1: Brita, you agree with that?
2: I'll begrudgingly stick with.
0: I mean, I said the Browns would make it. I don't feel like
2: that anymore, oh, yeah. just because the Colts and the Texans look better. Uh, but to stick with my rant from two weeks ago, I'll say the Browns and Colts.
0: You can go to break as soon as I finish saying the sentence. But worth noting, Texans at the Colts in Week 18. Hello, spice. All right,
1: so we've already talked about the Rams making their way into the playoffs, and we talked about the Steelers moonwalking the way out of the playoffs. So, producer Harry, I'm sorry, hit these topics. I think we're gonna go to the old uh, Breach and Brinson MVPs. If that's if that's okay with you, instead of rehashing stuff we've already talked about.
0: I, I mean, you can if you want to do like a. Why don't you do like 30 seconds of the Steelers?
1: I mean, Kenny Pickett got hurt. They had two huge rain delays. I will do this because producer Harry ignored my fantastic point about the Cardinals, the team that whipped the dog dookie out of them, the dog trash. Sorry, breach. Um, (laughs) Kyler Murray's coming back. They solved that problem because I think I'm guessing you guys would both agree that no matter who you draft, if you're the Cardinals, it's not going to play as well as Kyler's playing next year immediately. So why try to reinvent the wheel there? The bad news is that victory, as we currently sit here, dropped them from number two to number three, which means they're out of the Marvin Harrison sweepstakes, which is incredibly annoying if you're Mm. Kyler Murray. So maybe you trade down and do like you did last year when you moved down and ended up taking Paris Johnson Jr. But that's just something to keep in mind. The Steelers, meanwhile, Kenny Pickett's going to be out. Jerry Dulac of the Post-Gazette, longtime Steelers uh, reporter there, said that it's going to be surgery for Kenny for his ankle, two to four weeks. And you know, it's serious because Kenny's t- taken a beating this year and it refused to come out. Mitch came in, dropped a fumble, lost it immediately. The um, and Brinson didn't mention the James Conner revenge game. I think James Conner ended up scoring. Maybe it was a trade with right touchdown. but either way, uh, the Steelers are not a good football team if the running game and the defense don't show up. This was not Matt Canada's fault, but again, I don't put too much into this game because of the weather. Literally, two rain delays. The game didn't finish till like six o'clock or something.
0: Well, it was, it was lightning, wasn't it? I assume, right. There
1: was lightning. There was, uh, Monsoons, there's a lot going on there. And uh, they cleared the stadium twice. So, by, by the way,
0: if the Cardinals lose out, lose all four of their remaining games, still just an 11% chance to get the number one overall pick.
1: Well, I don't know how that's going to happen unless the, the Panthers drop out of the league.
0: Have you I seen mean, the Panthers? They're getting hot right now.
1: They played better. I like the They're uniforms. they I think that helped. The uniforms helped. Um, but not in the end when Bryce did an interception. All right. Um, let's do some MVPs now. We talked about the Rams. They're getting in, according to Brinson. I think Breach agrees with that. Uh, Puka Nakua remains awesome. Aaron Donald, I think he's okay, too. Who wants to go first for their MVPs? MB- or should I go first? All right, Brinson is ready. I'd love to see it. That's called call being eager, Breach. Learn.
0: Eager Beaver. All right, who is your Brinson VP? I was going to give it to Bill Belichick for giving up just six points and failing to cover as a plus five-and-a-half-point five <laughs> underdog. Felt felt a little sarcastic. Instead, I'm gonna give it to a guy who I think is underrated in terms of how we view wide receivers. Somebody who I think goes in the Will Brinson Hall of Fame, way too early way too early Hall of Fame, Hall hmm. of Fame rankings. I don't know who this is. Mike Evans.
1: Oh, yeah. That's a good one.
0: Twelve targets, seven catches, 162 yards, a 75-yard Herculean touchdown that you know, look look the Panthers, this is the Panthers dead cat bounce game. This is the one spot to go win. You got a new offense. You run some RPOs. Bryce Young's kind of cut it loose. They had a chance to win this game. They really did. And if not for Mike Evans, I think the Panthers do win. Chuba Hubbard ran for twenty twenty five times, hundred four yards, two touchdowns. Bryce looked better ish, kind of, maybe. It didn't look totally dead in the water. Until
1: until that last interception, he looked better.
0: And Mike, but Mike Evans kind of took this game over 162 yards. Has now, I think, he's got it's like him and Randy Moss with a thousand yard season to start a career. It's just an awesome effort from an awesome receiver who doesn't get his due and is probably like a borderline Hall of Famer. To Brenton's
2: point, real quick 10 straight 1,000 yard seasons to start his career. That is NFL record. Jerry Race is the longest 11 straight, but that wasn't to start of his career. That was just in the middle of his career. Uh, and Mike Evans had 80% of their receiving yards today. Baker Mayfield only threw for 202. Evans had 162 of it.
0: Uh, Also, curiously, Chris Godwin scored his first touchdown of the season. That's crazy. But he had had three targets, zero catches, ran once for 19 yards for a touchdown.
2: That is bonkers.
0: Who's your VP, Breach? My Breach VP
2: is myself foregoing 10-1-1 oh, against the spread That's and smashing good. you guys. Yep. Uh, my Breach VP number two, who is not myself, is, of course, Gardner Minshew because who else would it be? 312 yards, two touchdowns, huge win. Throws a 40-yard touchdown overtime to Michael Pittman to move the Colts to 7-5. It was a huge win. And you know what? Even though Titans are bad, they were undefeated. Uh in Nashville, going into this week, that was their first loss in Nashville, and Colts are in the thick of things.
0: Yeah, I went 13-2-1 last week, Breach.
2: That's two losses. I only have one. You
0: better catch a second one with the Jaguars beat the Bengals! <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I don't
1: know. <laughs> That's a snappy comeback, Breach. All right, my MVP <laughs> is going to be the rookies on that Detroit Lions football team. Jameer Gibbs had 60 yards rushing. Should have scored. Sam Laporta had 140 yards receiving. Sweet mercy alive. Brian Branch had an interception. Two second-round picks and a first-round pick, and that's not even including Jack Campbell, that other first-round pick. They absolutely crushed the draft, and at the time, people were sort of weirded out by the, the picks they made. Turns out they they were the exact right picks, and you could LaPorta. argue that three of those guys should have been first-rounders, um, and Laporta and, and Brian Branch, so... Great job by those guys, even though Derek Carr <laughs> almost came back and, and, and beat the Lions.
0: Well, Jameis almost came back and beat the Lions.
1: Derek Carr in the middle, and then when Jameis Yellow Jameis came in,
0: and Brian think... Branch actually had the a like, really weird. It was like the ultimate Jameis moment. Brian Branch like went up and made this like great pass deflection, yeah. and the ball jumps up in the air and lands in Chris Olave's hands, and he almost scores. Jerry uh, Jacobs
1: and... literally would have picked six <laughs> if Brian Branch wasn't there. <laughs>
0: yeah. Laporta, by the way, I don't know, I don't know what your grade was for him, but dude, that guy is a freak. He's on my fantasy team. Way Thanks. to go, Breach!
3: Thanks,
1: Sam.
0: Way to go! Thank you, Sam,
1: for helping it's Breach the Jaguars. So, what are you, twelve and one, Breach? That's what you are right now. Ten and one and one. Ten one and one. Congratulations! What on you that. pushed on the Patriots and lost the Broncos.
2: Should not have pushed on the Patriots.
1: Congratulations on Brentson going thirteen and two last week. Congratulations <laughs> to producer Harry for Tyreek Hill and Tua, and congratulations to me for Mason Rudolph. That is it. Week 13, Sunday Night Super Friends is a wrap. But don't worry, boys. You can check out the Pixic Podcast all week on YouTube at NFL CBS, wherever you get your podcast. Reach, enjoy the game. Hopefully it turns out better than the last Bengals game you went to. Uh, Brent's congratulations on NC State. Ball. And we will see you guys later.